Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. Uh, man, if, if you weren't there on Saturday, I am sorry. We had a screening of the new film, Journey to 100, uh, produced by Athletic Brewing, uh, where I work for my day job in uh, Wizard Media. Uh, we produced a film, and it's a, it was about actually one of the Adventure Sports Podcasts cast guest Jason Hardrath uh, his journey to 100 fastest known times and we just screened the film in Denver technically it was Golden Colorado just on Saturday uh, at the American Mountaineering Center and man that was so cool there was so many of you there I got to meet some listeners I got to meet some uh got to see a lot of old friends it was I mean it was one of the coolest things I've been to in a while it was so much fun uh, we had Dylan Bowman there, who was doing the Q and A with Jason Hardrath after the film. We had uh, we opened it up to uh, to audience members to ask questions at the end. We did a bunch of giveaways. We gave away like a thousand dollars worth of gear from uh, companies like Xped and Peak Refuel, uh, Path Project. Um, gosh, who else? Gnarly Nutrition gave a bunch of stuff. So uh, thank you to everyone who made it out. Um, and we're going to be doing it some more. So if you want to see me next weekend, this coming weekend, actually in Portland, Oregon, please come out. Um, and then we'll be in Seattle the following weekend. Details are in the show notes. If you want to get tickets, they're $10. Uh, and we still have a few free ones to give away. If anyone wants to come to Portland uh, this Saturday or Seattle next Saturday. Uh, but anyway, today's episode is an equally crazy adventure to uh, Jason's Journey to 100. This is Chris Fisher, and he is the king of the Max Vert Challenge of last year, uh, which which is basically trying to get as much vertical gain as possible in a month. And uh, he, he started off with um, 250,000 his first year, uh, 253,000, and then last year, almost doubled that to over 400,000 feet of vertical gain in one month. So he's going to tell us how he did that, why he did it. Um, and it, we, I actually feel bad. We didn't get into some of the backstory as to why. And I totally botched this interview, um, getting into like what motivated Chris to do this with, um, uh, just his experience in the Navy and all that. I just was like, dang it, I totally missed getting to that. So anyway, um, he is out right now actually doing another huge challenge, climbing all of Colorado's 14ers in winter, by the way, because it's still wintertime. I was just there this weekend and I got snowed on at like 9,000 feet, not even that high. It was snowing on me and I was wearing shorts and this Florida boy was freezing his butt off. Uh, but Chris is out there skiing all of the Colorado 14ers right now. So if you want to see that challenge, you want to uh, see what he's doing, follow him on Instagram. Details in the show notes. But an insane adventure. Um, monotonous, yes. Uh, uh, probably boring at times. 100% difficult all the time. Uh, but climbing 400,000 feet pretty much on the same mountain over and over again for an entire month. This is Chris's story. Let's jump in. All right, folks. Well, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Today we have uh, today we have something pretty wild that I don't think 
I don't think anybody listening is going to be able to do, but it's really interesting to hear about. Um, Chris, man, holy cow, this is so cool. Welcome to the show, first of all. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Oh, man. So, so where, I always ask this first, where are you coming from today, and is that home? I am in Breckenridge, Colorado. I just got back from a 50-inch powder chase down Wolf Creek, and it was amazing. <laughs> oh, man. How are the mountains this winter out there? Down there, it was amazing. Um, everywhere else I've been so far has been pretty dry for the most part. I mean, there's snow, but it's just not, you know, a huge year for the majority of the West and Pacific Northwest. Are Where are you originally from? Originally, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I sense a little bit of a southern, southern twang. <laughs> yeah, I am a, I'm a flatlander, or I used to be flatlander, I should say. How long have you been in uh, Breckenridge or out west, at least? Uh, I've been in Colorado for two and a half years now. Two and a half years. So were you doing elevation like this beforehand at all, or, or were you in Texas? Oh, I was in Texas for pretty much the majority of my life. You know, grew up running for a track and cross country and then playing football as well. But ended up making the move out here after I got out of the Navy. I want to hear about this this Max Vert challenge. So you obviously had like a base level of fitness, uh, be, be, being a you know football track and field, and um, being in the Navy. What I guess what drew you to this challenge in particular, especially, I mean, being out what you know two and a half years is plenty of time to acclimate, but still, you know, you're kind of new in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'd say I'm pretty new to the mountain scene, but it's been pretty awesome just starting out. You know, the challenge was started back in 2020 when COVID hit and Cirque Series dropped all of their in-person races. And so they did a Maxford October race and it was just a bunch of wild people that were like, who can do the most vert in a month? And so I went out thinking, you know, like a hundred thousand feet would be a pretty big achievable goal that would probably win it. And this is two years ago. So this is the first Maxford and, uh, Man, I ended up with 250,000 feet in a month and finishing in sixth place. I had no idea how competitive it was going to be going into it, and it was pretty wild, man. I mean, these people that were really pushing the limits were getting out there and getting after it, and it was super inspiring. So there was no way to know how other people were doing? And if like There wasn't a leaderboard or anything? There was a leaderboard, and you know, it's like we all started out Doing like maybe three to five K a day, thinking that was a lot, you know. And then this one cat, Noah Brodigan, he finished with 342K and he was averaging about 11 a day and he just never slowed down. We were all mind, just completely mind blown, had no idea that it was even possible to do that. That is so wild. Yeah, man. And, you know, that was, that was 2020 back in the day. And after that ended, I was like, you know, there's, I know the trick now and how to do it. And so if I really want to do it, I just have to do it again next year. And that's kind of what it came down to, you know, we were, uh, I would, I ran most of the surf series races throughout the summer. And at the last one, I was sitting down with Julian and some of the other, uh, cert guys that helped run the races. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to try to do 400,000 feet this month for Maxford October. <laughs> and Julian just kind of looked at me and didn't really say much and just went on his social medias on the cert. Uh, started posting this cat's gonna do 400,000 feet and I was like well I guess I'm in it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you start telling people you gotta do it then <laughs> so take us back uh, to last year or, or in 2020 when you did yeah 
200,000 feet. What? What? 250. Two, 250. <laughs> yeah, 253. Jeez. So, so how difficult was that? Were you like, this is my limit. This is all I can do. And also, what, what did that day look like? What were you doing? Yeah, man. So during 2020, I was actually working a full-time job. And so it was hard to like really squeeze and vert here and there. I was doing the first year I did 24 different mountains here in Colorado, just having fun with it, you know, going up and doing every mountain around Bragg and up in the front range and having a great time. And uh, about two weeks in, I was probably around 100,000 feet. And so I had already reached my first goal of the month at 100,000. This other cat's at like 150. And we're sit- I'm sitting here thinking like, how am I going to keep like, how am I going to get bigger? So I made a new goal of 250K. And at that point, I was 150K away with like 13 days left. Come my birthday, I decided to do a uh, 25,000 foot day for my 25th birthday. And that was kind of like my point of knowing that there's really no limit to this. And especially if you build your body and tissue capacity to get to this point, like you can really go all day at a certain point, you know, and, um, yeah, it came down to the last week. I was 90,000 feet away from 200, uh, 250K with six days left. And I honestly threw a little pity party. I was pretty upset and didn't know how I was going to reach my goal. But then I pulled out the calculator and realized all I have to do is 15K six days in a row, <laughs> which is not a little bit of vert. That's a lot. And That's so, a lot, but you'd done 25. Yeah, man, but I already did 25, you know, and I was feeling great the next day after 25. So it was kind of just, uh, it was really mental at that point. You know, the physical was not much of a burden. I wasn't hurting at all, really, the first year around. Second year is a completely different story. But the first year, I mean, no crazy physical pains. It was uh, majority mental. And, you know, at those last six days, I built a trail here in Breckenridge that was about 500 feet tall. And I lapped that all day for eight hours a day, six days in a row through snow. I mean, probably over a foot of snow throughout that last week. It was uh, pretty brutal, but knocked it out and got to 250. <laughs> that sounds insane. Yeah, man. It was, pr- it was pretty nutty. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what are you, what are you thinking about? all day when you're when you're doing this route and like you said I was I was going to ask like where do you what have you found to be the most efficient way to get this vert because what people need to realize is you're not just going up you're 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 going distance too you're doing like 15 to 20 miles a day depending on the route you choose what kind of a sweet spot have you found because you're not like climbing a ladder necessarily but you you want it to be steep you want it to be steep. There's definitely a, a fine line between the steepness. So, you know, that those six days of those 15K on that hill, that was about 15,000 feet and 21 miles every day. So the guy that won, he's out in Salt Lake City or was in Salt Lake City, and he was doing Grander Peak for the entire month for the most part. And I realized that that was really the most bang for your buck when it comes to up and downhill running. And for the second year, that's where I ended up spending the majority of my time. So, yeah, that's kind of how that goes. I mean, there you can go steeper. Like, there's a couple guys that did it on the incline there in Manitou Springs. And I did the, I did one day there and did eight laps in the day, and it was the most brutal thing ever <laughs> just because of how steep it was. So man. it's a little too steep. A little too steep for, for me at least. 
it's don't get me wrong. There's a cat out there right now still crushing it. I know I mentioned this to Emily in an email, but he broke my record just a couple months ago with 500K. <clears throat> this dude is going up and down the incline all day, every day. So I guess it just depends on who you are. 200, I'm reading now, 253,000 feet max bird competition, and you got sixth. What did that make you start thinking about to do next year? Because this was a yearly thing at this point. I, I guess it was successful yeah. enough to want to do it again. Honestly, for the longest time, I didn't think I was going to do it again. I was really banking on not doing it. And come August, I started chatting with Julian a little bit about it. And he was like, man, you got to come out and win it this year. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I probably could. And I know, you know, how to do it now, but... I don't know if I want to do it. <laughs> and then, you know, I started thinking about it more and more. And I'm like, yeah, I think I might as well go push my limits again and see what can really be done, you know. And I set that goal of 400K, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want anything less, you know. What was the route that you were going to choose to, to make that happen? Because I know with 250, you, you'd climbed 20-something mountains. You, you had fun with it. It could have been buttoned up for a – I know the last six days were – hell and you 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 did something really monotonous but what 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 was your plan to go for 400 yeah man the plan was to spend the first few days here in Breck, pack up all my stuff head to salt lake city and do grander all day every day and that's what i did why that mountain tell us tell us some details about the the distance the elevation and yeah uh, maybe even weather i'm sure that plays into it too Oh, man. So that was one of my main concerns is the weather here at Breck about getting really, you know, snowy in the October months. But over in Salt Lake City, this was their wettest October in I think like 20 years or something like that. It was absolutely brutal, freezing rain, snow. And so the weather did not really play the way I thought it would. So that was huge. But Grander is a 300 foot mountain and it's little bit less than five mile round trip it's like i think maybe 4.6 or something like that and it's it's pretty steep it's steep enough to go up and down and you know you go up you go back down and you're not too crazily tired and uh you know what i found about a week into it is that the lower half of grander is really the place to stack the vert and so i switched from doing full peaks to just half mountain laps and um I was doing like anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred foot laps, and they were a bit steeper. It's a steeper portion, but it's also the less technical portion for like your feet for your footing and stuff. And um, yeah, that's kind of how that played out. Um, the last half of the mountain is really the steep part, and that's where you can just rack up the most bang for your buck. And you know, honestly, at that point, it was I had no intention on going anywhere else because more mileage just didn't really play in what I was doing. It was more of keeping miles down and keeping that efficiency with the vert. How how tall did you say it was total? It's about 3,300 feet from bottom to top. The climb. Okay, what's the elevation of the peak itself? Oh, the elevation of the peak itself is right over 8K. I think it's like 8.5. Really? So So what's nice about that, it's not like, super high alpine where you're struggling to breathe it's like right below that to where you can probably still breathe pretty well exactly and so that was like another factor that i kind of played into going out there was that i've been living at almost 10k for you know a couple years now and 
going a little lower would definitely help. That's interesting. Let me ask you this, too, because you're obviously watching other athletes. Did you see any really unique, uh, I don't know, strategy come into play? Like people who lived in flatland areas climbing, I don't know, skyscrapers or garages or something. Did you see anything like that was like, oh, that's interesting. They, They have a good shot if they if they do that. Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely a handful of people doing that. Um, not like specifically skyscrapers or big stories. You know, I thought about that. Like if I lived somewhere and there was nothing to run up, that's what I would have done. Because it's completely uniform and efficient. You know, exactly. Think of it like perfect straight up, stairs, straight, straight up, no dirt, no gravel, nothing to slip. It's just controlled environment too. You know, if it's indoors, that's interesting. Yeah, that's definitely uh, it, it's a thing that can be done, especially. But if you're in a place where there are hills or there are mountains, it's pretty uh, frowned upon to do that. <laughs> yeah, I could I could imagine it's like a little bit feels like a little bit cheating. But if you're in you know t- t- parts of Texas and have no other choice, <laughs> exactly, dude. I mean, that's if I was still living in Texas, honestly, I probably would have never found this challenge. Probably would have never partaken. But <laughs> exactly, like there's definitely. Uh, I don't know, like you go to a football stadium and run up and down the stairs for 10 hours a day or something. Exactly. Well, shoot, man, football. Yeah, you were a football player. That's a perfect place, actually. Wow. So, and and some of those big college stadiums, too, are really steep. So you can get some serious elevation. Holy cow. So, so for you, you traveled. Now, you mentioned for for the first year that you had a job. I, I assume that you didn't have a job if you were traveling out of state to do this for yeah. a month or what, how'd you work that out with uh, what you do for work? Yeah, man. So I try to pitch the play of part-time work with them so I could do this thing and it just didn't work out. So I ended up, you know, I, I saved a little bit of money over the past couple of years and I ended up just quitting my job, man, and really just chasing the dream of being an athlete and doing these things. And sure enough, you know, it played out pretty well to the point where, I picked up a few sponsors that are paying a little bit me paying me a little bit of money to do what I like to do. And so it's worked out very well and it's kind of fallen into place exactly how I imagined and dreamed it would. Was it weird out there thinking like I'm kind of doing this for work, running up this yeah. peak every day for hours? Yeah, you know, that was definitely a mindset. You know, at that point it was definitely my job. It was eight hours minimum a day on the mountain, go home, take a shower, stretch, roll out, go to sleep, wake up, eat food, and do the whole thing over again all day, every day. I mean, it was a full-time job for sure. At what point in the second year's attempt did you hit first year's 253,000 feet? Like, that, like was it yeah, obviously probably – right after halfway or so through the month. But did, did you, do you yeah. remember when you hit that threshold? Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. You know, on this show, we talk a lot about the adventure, but it's honestly the time between the adventure that is most important, being adventure-ready, as we say. And the most important aspect of that is knowing your body and knowing what's going on inside your body. And the most important company that can help you do that is Inside Tracker, literally tracking what's going on inside your body. Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data and provides you with a clear picture of what exactly is going on so that you can make changes to your diet or see what's going, working, what isn't. 
And how they do it is they analyze all the data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to help you optimize your body and know what's really going on. So if you'd like to learn more or get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store, go to insidetracker.com slash adventure sports. That is insidetracker.com slash adventure sports. Inside Tracker can get you ready and keep you ready for all your favorite adventure sports. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Um, that was, I think, two or three days before my birthday on the October 23rd. So that was probably October 20th. I was a little behind going in. So the first six days were pretty brutal on my body. I was coming off of a string of injuries from my ankle throughout the summer. And didn't really get to train as much as I wanted to for this thing. So I kind of went in just like no training. <laughs> and uh, the first two days, I did 15K two days in a row. And then day three, I did 12K. And at this point, my knees are hurting so bad. I'm like literally limping up and downhill. And so my days start getting really slow down to day six. And I took a zero day on day six. So I got pretty far behind on my ideal track of what I wanted to do for the month. It kind of messed up literally everything I had going um, the way I planned at least. So these things never really go as planned, but yeah, man, I ended up going to a uh, PT to do some dry needling and didn't really know what I was going to do the next day besides drive to Salt Lake from Breck and see what happens. And yeah, that's kind of how that went, man. I mean, yeah, by day 20, I was, pretty much back on track like like where where would you say was like the crux of the experience was it then was it that that early in day six or was it at some point in the month that was like oh my gosh i don't know if i can do this yeah dude it got it got worse man that was just the first string of like somewhat injuries i've had um for the month the real crux was my birthday i would say so building up to my birthday you know my knees hurt so bad until about two weeks in when I after the dry needling and after I got to Salt Lake they were still hurting but not as bad to where I couldn't walk so I was finally walking uphill again and running down but they were hurting very bad and it would be like 10 to 12k or a little less like 8 to 10k they would finally warm up and then my knees wouldn't hurt anymore so like the last two hours of the day they'd be fine but the first three or four or five hours they had hurt pretty bad so I, if I were to guess, it was some kind of tendonitis, and it was just like it took literally eight to 10,000 feet to warm them up, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But, you know, two weeks in, that kind of went away, and I started having, like, fascia tears throughout my quads and calves. So then a whole new problem occurred, and I was back to limping up and down the hill for hours, and... Honestly, man, the day or two days before my birthday, the quad calf or the quad tears got so bad to where I could hardly even walk again. I didn't know what I was going to do. And for my birthday, I was planning on doing an Everest for turning 26, but that didn't happen. I ended up, so yeah, the crux was literally my birthday, the best and the worst day of the month. So I get up at 3 a.m., I drive over to the trailhead, I do one 
1200 foot lap and at the top my my legs are just so beat that i can can't even walk downhill hardly i'm like literally limping on one foot i get back to my truck to go back to sleep i didn't know what i was gonna do um i slept for another four hours just kind of laying there in the back of my truck really no idea what was going to happen and one of the guys that helped film part of the experience showed up around 7 30 and we started chatting and whatnot and uh i was telling him straight up dude i was like man i have a really bad cold i feel horrible my legs hurt i can hardly walk and i don't know what's going to happen man like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to get the 400k i was close enough to where i could at least break the record and i knew that was going to happen i'd push through for that but Honestly, I just didn't know if I was going to get the 400K or not. And so me and them had like a really deep conversation about that. And man, it was uh, quite the convo for sure. Um, but, you know, after he left that morning around nine o'clock after doing a little bit of film and photos, I just kept walking up and downhill. Well, more like limping up and downhill for another 12 hours, man. And I did 18.5K that day. And at the very end of the day, you know, I sat there and was like, well, if I can do 18 and a half K feeling the way I do right now, there's nothing that's going to stop me from getting to 400 K. And that was the turning point of the entire month. Wow, man. So, so being out there a month, same route, did you start drawing attention from locals or from anybody mm -hmm. on the rail? Just saying like, what's this guy doing every day up and down <laughs> yeah. this mountain? Definitely a thing, man. So the majority of the people doing the Cirque Series Max Vert were out in Salt Lake. So there's a lot of those guys and those ladies out there on Grander. So we built a community on that mountain. But the locals that weren't participating, they knew who I was pretty quickly. And they're like, this guy is literally out here every day, all day. And I've seen him pass us four times, you know. So there was a, a cool sense of community out there. And that was really another reason why I went there to do this, because I knew there were people there that were doing it as well, and that there were other people on the trail all day. And so it was really cool to see these other people and just like, you know, see how my progress was going, where I was at in the month. That is wild, man. And you mentioned other athletes were on Granger as well. Did you, did you feel pretty confident that you'd take first place? as the month started coming to a close or did it come down to the wire with, with some of those other athletes? Um, I knew about halfway through that I was gonna, you know, win it as long as I kept going as if I didn't stop, there's pretty much no chance of, uh, getting caught. So there are teams as well. So you can do two person teams and my partner and I took first place in the team category. He took second place overall with 303,000. So I was almost a hundred K ahead of him by the end of the month. Holy cow. And was that, uh, was that Tyler? That was Tyler. Yep. Tyler Valovic. Valovic. He is an absolute crusher, man. And not only him, I read that his uh, parents were in it as well. Getting <laughs> the quit. They yeah. got, they got 700 Tyler, his dad and his mom got 730,000 feet together yep, combined dude insane they're a awesome family to be around i mean i looked at them as like second family out there on the mountain i'd see them almost every day it was awesome they're some of the coolest people i have met for sure wow how did you run into him and do this together was it just like hey we're both doing this let's help each other yeah, so during the first year we both partook and he took i think 10th or 11th place something like that and 
we realized that no one else that was in the top 10 was going to do it again this year. And just because of real life, you know, things, but, uh, we message each other. We haven't met in person at this point. We message each other and like, dude, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's go in and win this thing together. But we ended up, you know, connecting and it worked out perfectly. I mean, I knew what he was going for. He knew what I was going for. And I mean, everybody knew what we were going for, like as far as elevation totals. And I don't know. I don't think anybody really understood how much that was because most of the people that were doing it, this was their first year doing it. So I don't think they really realized, you know, the actual toll it takes on your body and just time-wise, you know. What were you fueling yourself with and what were you doing to, I don't know, did you have any sort of guilty pleasure, anything you would indulge in just to kind (laughs) of keep you motivated, you know? (laughs) Yeah, man. So my favorite part of doing the Maxford Challenge, which I don't know, I'm just going to let you know now, I don't think I'm going to do it again. But the best part about it was, is eating. I mean, I ate anything and everything. So, I mean, I was burning probably seven, 8,000 calories a day and just absolutely shoving my face with everything. But one of the places I was – or the place I stayed at down in downtown Salt Lake, there, it was right next to a bakery. And so I'd go in there every morning and get the exact same thing. Like, I think it was at least 2,000 calories of food. I'd get a croissant sandwich, three peanut butter cups, a couple danishes, a piece of cake, and something else usually just for fun. Eat, and, and eat it right then? Eat all of it on the way to the trailhead, every single <laughs> bite. <laughs> well, man, that is so insane. Did, did you get, you know, it's one mountain, one trail. How much did it vary for you like the same place because you know how the seasons can take one place and make it really different this is one month so much less i guess diverse weather and whatnot but did the place change over time for you did you just feel like it got more and more of the same man it was the craziest weather pattern i've ever been in i mean it snowed it rained it rained freezing rain the wind was over 50 some days it was everything every kind of weather it was absolutely ridiculous to be honest i mean i probably spent more days freezing and soaking wet than i did dry on that mountain wow did that help at all you know just not overheating or staying cool <laughs> not really <laughs> uh you know i i'm uh i wear rab that's one of my sponsors and like they make this jacket the phantom it's like a really lightweight waterproof uh windproof jacket and it was perfect. Like I'd wear that over anything and I would stay dry for the most part, but when it's just dumping and pouring and windy as hell, I mean, you can't really do much to stay dry unless you're wearing four, full Gore-Tex. And at that point, then you're just sweating really hard. So yeah, there was days that it wasn't horrible. Like the, the rain definitely was kind of fun and it helped. But then there was also days where, I mean, I was so cold that I had to go warm up my truck twice a day, you know, and that was pretty brutal because, you know, you just don't want to stop. You want to keep going until you're done, but you can't help that you can't fill your hands, you know, so you got to go warm them up or whatever. You, the, the, your birthday, which was, you said, October 23rd? Yes, sir. October 23rd, worst and best day of the whole month. You're not that far from the finish at that point, you know, the last week. Take nope. us through that last week of, it's like, all right, I, I made it through this. Now what yep. do I do? How, how did you get through that last week, and and what kind of pace were you on? Did did it look pretty Dude. promising? Oh, very promising. After I finished that day, I was like, "There's nothing stopping me," 
And the day after my birthday was my fastest day on the mountain, which is crazy because I literally limped up and down the mountain for 12 hours my birthday. Come the next day, I did 15K in like right above six and a half hours or so. I mean, it was stupid fast for what I was doing all month. And I don't even know where it came from, but I was still hurting and somehow just crushed out 15K in, you know, six and a half hours. But we got back to the last seven days and it was like another deja vu from 2020. You know how I said that I had six days left and they had 15K to get to my goal. Well, we're back on the same pace. I have six days left, but I need 16K to get to my goal. And so I'm like, well, I've done it before and just 1K more a day. So nothing is going to stop me with that. And I went out, man, and cranked out 16K a day, all day. But the funny part about that, actually, I flew home. The weather got so bad during two of those days that I flew back to Colorado and actually went down to the incline for a day. And did my first 16K day on the incline. So, you know, eight laps on the incline, 2K up, two-mile round trip. It was so steep and brutal. And these guys are out there just absolutely crushing it. And, I mean, they weren't doing eight laps. But my first time ever on the incline, I did eight laps. And I uh, got in my car after, or my truck. And I was like, I never want to go back here again in my life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't realize you had to travel just to get some more verdant because of the weather dude it played a huge part i mean there were several days throughout the month where i thought about just really just hopping back to colorado for a few days and those weather days they're smaller days than i needed and that i wanted and so with that last week of what i needed i was like you know man i'm just gonna go there for two days and then come back and the weather will be better and sure enough it was so it, it was perfect play i mean it didn't cost me but 150 bucks, 200 bucks total to do that with the flight and a rental. So, I mean, I thought at this point and how much time I've invested and how much money I've already invested into what I'm doing, yeah, I think it's worth it, you know? Right, right. So, you you finish up. What what was that last day like? When did you know Dude. or how, you know, because you, you, you hit 400,000 in like 250 feet or something. So you like, you knew you right over the threshold. So it was right where you finished was pretty much right when you hit the goal. So yeah, what, what was that like? Take us through, what was the day like? Was it nice weather at least? Did you have people out and uh, yeah, man. how did that feel? It was uh, an awesome day. You know, Physically, I ended up battling foot tendonitis those past four days. My foot would swell up so bad that I couldn't walk at the end of the day. But on that last day, like, you know, like I was after my birthday, I'd already got to the mental mindset of none of this physical pain is going to stop me from getting to where I want to be. And um, that last day, I sprained my ankle. And so I was pushing up and down with a sprained ankle. But that, again, didn't really matter too much for, you know, it's the last day of the month. Like, I'll be all right. And uh, the weather was actually the best it was all month. I mean, that day was absolutely beautiful, and it wasn't too hot, wasn't too cold. It was perfect. Um, like, when it wasn't raining or snowing on the mountain, it would be, like, 70 to 80 degrees, and I'm not used to that. And it was super hot, <laughs> to say the least, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
but yeah, the last day was amazing, man. I had my family come out. My parents showed up. My brother showed up. My best friend growing up showed up. <clears throat> Julian showed up. And a good handful of other people that were in the area, you know, a part of the community showed up just to support that last day. And it was awesome, man. Greatest experience of my life. Um, yeah, I planned it to where the last lap I would end up on top of the hill where I've been doing my mini laps on the mountain. And so everybody that showed up that day ended up going up there to wait on me. And that last lap, man, it was awesome. It was uh, me and my partner, Tyler, and another buddy. And we all just crushed uphill together to get up top and have a little party. So I saved a bottle of Blanton's bourbon for this pretty much. You know, I bought it five years ago when I joined the Navy and I was planning on opening it after Hell Week which is in Navy SEAL training, which I ended up quitting in. And so I ended up never opening the bottle and just saving it for a special occasion, which I didn't know what it was going to be at the time. Hell months. Hell month, dude, pretty much. (laughs) And, you know, like two weeks in, I text my dad. I'm like, y'all need to bring that bottle because I will be opening it and drinking it. (laughs) And, you know, we – we got to the top of the mountain. Everybody was there. All the people that I love and care about. Man, we enjoyed some really good bourbon over an amazing feat. So it was easily the best day of my life so far. And, you know, just the feeling of accomplishment was awesome. And having the people around that I care about to witness it and be there for me, you know. I mean, I was going to ask you, you know, your parents you quit your job to make this happen. Is it something they, I'm sure they were doubtful of like, maybe they're totally supportive. I don't know. I just know that it can, not not always the case, maybe seeing you and seeing you win this and and the path that it's, it's leading you down might've been like, wow, this is, this is what our son's doing. It's pretty, pretty inspiring. Yeah, man. It was definitely a thing. Like, you know, I was talking about quitting my job for several months in a row. Like I was, to the point mentally and physically, I was like, man, I was telling everybody around me, like, all I need to do to get to that next level and that next step of where I want to be in this athlete world is quitting my job and going for it. I mean, that's not everybody's path, but I had some money saved up. And all I knew was that if I do this, it will work out. And I manifested it for months, man. I mean, I, I would say the same things to myself every day for months. And finally it was like, I'm quitting, you know? And, you know, they, they said, I want to think about it a little bit. My aunt and uncle, different aunt and uncle that I'm not living with now, they were like, well, you know, if you got a good job and you're able to do what you like to do, you might as well hold on to it. I'm like, no, I want to, <laughs> I want to bring this whole thing to the next level. You know, it's like, I don't want to sit around and shovel snow and mow lawns. Like I want to be out in the mountains all day, every day. And the only way to find out if I can do that work is by trying. And so I didn't want to, you know, wake up 10 years down the road and think, what if? So that was kind of like my main, my main thing is like not wanting to know what if I'm going to go find out right now. And sure enough, it worked out and man, my parents are super proud, which it's, uh, it's been quite the road, you know, it's like I went through the Navy stuff and joined, but went through buds to try to become a SEAL and that was kind of my big thing several years ago and ended up quitting. And that really deterred a big part of my life. I didn't really know what I was going to do next besides move to Colorado and see what happens. And I just dove straight into the trail running and skiing and man, just living the dream. Honestly, 
and it's been great. So that's kind of how that all plays out. You hit 400,000, you reach your goal. How close do you think that puts you to your limit? You know what I mean? Like, do you think, okay, and not, and I know you mentioned you're not going to do this again, but how close do you think like, all right, that's pretty close to what I can do, but I'm curious if someone can take it to, you know, five, six, 700,000. What, what do you feel about that? Yeah, man. You know, I was asked a few times of like, is that all that's possible? And I said straight up, like, no, I mean, anything is possible. I think that could be doubled. I mean, it, it literally comes down to spending the time to train for that specific event. I didn't spend any time training and I did 400 K, you know, like training in the way of trying to get vert. The way to do it would be, you know, you do a 150 K month and a 200 K month, 250 and you work your way up and build this tissue capacity in your body to where you can handle these big limits. And that's exactly what this other guy did. You know, he spent five months building up, doing exactly what I said you would have to do to get to these bigger numbers. And sure enough, he already did it, man. I mean, 500K was broken one month ago. This dude is, his name is Rami Alhamara. Uh, He's got no social media. He's got, you know, 25 followers on Strava. And he honestly does not care about the record whatsoever. He's just out there crushing. He is in Manitou Springs and he walks up and down the incline all day, every day. The dude is insane. He actually did the challenge too. And he took third place with right below 300K. Um, and for him, he, uh, he's like a mid 50s guy. Like he's an older dude, you know, just out there crushing. But, like he did, he's been doing the incline for so long that his body has adapted to the steepness and the just amount of crush you're putting on your body. And so, you know, he did right below 300 K in November or in uh, October and then November, he did the same thing, did another 300 K. And then uh, December he did right below 400 K. And then come January, he just sent it and crushed it 500 K. In October right now, or not October, right now in February, he's on track to do another 400. I mean, the dude has just built up the tissue capacity to do it. And that's really the main thing. Like, if you wanted to get to these big numbers, that's what it takes is building up to it. Because you can't just hop in and do a half a million. I mean, I hopped in and did 400K, and I battled injuries all month, you know. So to do it the right way, you do it the way he's doing. And... I don't know what his end goal is. He doesn't really have a goal, it sounds like. He's just kind of out there, you know, crushing the incline. So, I don't know. <laughs> that is wild. Well, geez, yeah, the, the incline does sound like a, a great way to get this if you can deal with the incline. Because <laughs> there's people out there, you know, there's, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of people that do the incline. So, Yeah, it's like a cult out there, man. Oh yeah, it's totally a cult. Yeah, it's a tourist attraction. You get people, you know, dropping off all up the way that's in your way. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're scrambling at some points on that thing. That's crazy. My wife did the incline at like seven months pregnant a few years ago, and it was all icy. I was like, oh crap, we shouldn't be up here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What do you think is the one of the biggest lessons or something that you're thinking about now that you learned from this experience? you're going to take with you on this new journey that you're on? Um, Probably the biggest lesson I learned is 
there's really no limit unless you make a limit with your mind. Your mind is the limiter. And if you don't have, if you don't limit your mind, you can really do whatever you want, you know? And that's what I learned. Um, that's one of the lessons I was going to try. I was hoping to learn during buds, which I failed to learn. And so this played a huge part in reteaching me this mindset that there's really no limits in this world. As long as you want something enough, and you put in the work to get to it. How will you take that mindset moving forward? What are you, what are you going to try to do? Yeah, man, I've got a a handful of goals and objectives that I have on the plate right now that I'm looking forward to. Um, right now, I'm kind of getting ready to try to ski all the 14ers here in Colorado. That's my uh, biggest goal right now, and I'm hoping to do that in record time as well, which is right now 138 days. Um, potentially this year, if not next year, the next year, it just depends on snow and conditions. And so I'm really just kind of studying the snow and hoping that I can at least give it a go this year. And that'll probably start within the next week or two, um, pretty soon actually. So that's, uh, that's my next big goal. You said you would start that in the next week or two. Yep. Holy cow. So you're really, you're doing this this year. I'm hoping to, it's just, you know, it's been a low snow year for the majority of Colorado. So I don't, you know, right now, I don't know if they're all going to fill in or not, but I do know that some of the ones in the Southern part of Colorado are in. And so I'm going to probably start digging around up there and seeing if there's anything I can get done before hopefully the Northern mountains fill in more throughout March, April, May. Oh, I see. So 130 something days is consecutive sense of like, has to be done in that amount of time yeah so like he started in probably the beginning of february and then finished at the end of may or something like that you know wow that is insane man that is too cool Um, yeah well we would that sounds like another awesome episode actually so yeah man keep me posted because uh when that happens i would love to chat about it oh absolutely all right so um skiing colorado 14ers in record time I guess you're done with the Max Bird Challenge. You mentioned not wanting to do it again. Is that just like, hey, I did it, book's closed, I, I did what I needed to do, I'm moving on? Yeah, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. It's like, I did it, I had a great time, I learned a lot of things, I inspired people, which is my main goal, and honestly, there are just so many cooler and more attractive things out there to do that I'd rather partake in. Than not doing the same mountain, like, exactly yeah exactly totally get that let let me ask you this before you go because a lot of people i don't often ask this but what's uh what was some of the uh the the essential gear you needed obviously with any um trail run something similar you're gonna have shoes and you know the clothing but was there anything special that maybe you didn't realize before that you maybe picked up halfway through the experience or or the came in really crucial Hmm. That's a good question. You know, from the first time doing it back in 2020, I kind of realized what I needed to do or like what I needed to have to make this actually work out better than not. And so mainly like I used hiking poles pretty much the entire month that helped so much on the up. I didn't really use them on the down, but going up, it helped me so much. A lot of people use them on the down for the most part, but when I'm going downhill, I'm running and I don't want to slow down with hiking poles. Hiking poles play a huge part. Um, also, nutrition. When I was on the mountain, I was using gnarly nutrition. I uh, was fortunate enough to have them, you know, support the effort and 
used all their fuel to O. I mean, so much of it. I was putting down probably 2000 calories of their fuel to O every day when I was on the hill. And that was just crucial for what I was doing. Um, there's no way I could have done it without that. Wow. And I think they're based there in Salt Lake too. They are. Yeah. They're they good are people. Good people. They, they're great people. And they were super stoked, man. It was, it was super fun working with them. I'm hoping to continue to do that in future projects as well. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, shoot, Chris, well, please keep us posted. This is exciting, man. I feel like you're, uh, you know, you quit your job pursuing this. You're, you're just starting all this in a lot of ways. So it's going to be exciting to see where you go and where you take this. And, uh, you're clearly going about it the right way. So I'm, I'm happy for you and I'm happy to be able to chat with you this early in your career. Thanks, man. It really does mean a lot. You know, it's, I took a big leap of faith, try to get into where I'm at and just completely stoked of what's come of it so far and you know, what's going to happen next. So, yeah, man. And, And you know, word of advice, like you said before, you just got to see if it's possible. Got to see if you can. If you can't, exactly. if it doesn't work out, holy crap, you've already done something that I think made it worth it. You know, and you're going to do more things that you're going to have these experiences no matter what. So you're For always sure. going to go back to your job. And you're going to have a hell of a lot more stories to talk about than uh, people who never left in the first place. You know, exactly, man. That's that's the biggest part about it. Just you know, not wanting to know what if. Exactly. Ah, well, now you know what it's like to climb Grandeur Peak like 5,000 times. So now you don't have to ask what if for that one. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Let's let's move on to different mountains. (laughs) All right, man. Well, uh, Chris, thanks for making the time and thanks for being flexible. And uh, I I will keep you posted. It'll probably come out in like a month or so. And if you're on your adventure at that point, we'll definitely shout out and tell folks to follow you. Cool, man. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm, uh, Super stoked to be able to chat with you, man. And it's been fun. And just looking forward to listening to the episode. Awesome. All right, Chris. We'll talk soon. Sounds good, brother. Well, you have a good rest of your day. You too. See ya. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes. Share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventure sports podcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.